Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Saddle Hunters, our brothers over at Tethered, continue to kill the game by releasing innovative products. They just recently put out the Eberhardt Series Saddle. They also put out the Menace Saddle, which is for our, our husky brothers and sisters that are into saddle hunting. That does but that saddle will do just maybe a little bit better job of cupping your quote-unquote assets. But the thing that I'm most excited about is their recent release of the Tethered One Climbing Stick. Um, this thing is crazy light, crazy strong, and crazy quiet. I'm just going to cut to the chase here and give you some specs. Each stick weighs in at less than one pound, and that includes your Dynalite rope attachment. Uh, a three-pack of these will weigh in at 2.7 pounds, which is ridiculously light. It's a 17-inch step-to-step uh, single stick uh, single stick height, and there's an 8.5-inch uh, step footbed, which gives you plenty of room for, for those of us folks with, with, with bigger feet. It's all made with aerospace-grade titanium and aluminum for construction. So if you'd like to learn more about Tether's innovative products, Head over to tetherednation.com and check them out. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single origin coffee guaranteeing to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker, they're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to skullbrewcoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 204. Today, we're coming to you live from the rut wagon for one final time for our rut recap. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I am back from my rut vacation with no filled tags, um, which is unfortunate. You know, if you listen to the previous podcast, and I'll touch on it just a little bit in this one. Uh, Missouri was a rad trip. Really cool. Um, had some opportunities. Just could not seal the deal. Um, ended up hitting one that got away. Um, I talked about that, I think in episode two Oh three, if I'm not mistaken, I think I touch on, uh, it just a little bit in this, uh, in this session, but I'm not going to belabor this up front. I actually just want to make a really quick mention to let you guys know that skull brew coffee company, uh, has a new product that is out that you might want to try checking out. I'm kind of a coffee nut, obviously. And when I travel to do these hunts, a lot of times I'm looking for ways to have a good cup of coffee in the morning before I head out to hunt. A lot of times I've had to kind of settle for that instant crap that 
that tastes like garbage and typically will mess up your stomach after about two weeks of drinking that stuff. So what I did was, was did some investigating and tried to find a way that I could package this up, some skull brew up into a convenient kind of way that you could use to travel, you know, whether it's to the in-laws who have shitty coffee or whether you are headed out to the timber on a hunting trip, hiking trip, camping, scouting, whatever the case is. So we have now released the backcountry pack, which is essentially a small pour over pack that comes in single serve uh, packets uh, that you can use. All you need to do is boil some water, make, get some hot water, whether you use a jet boil, a pot over a propane fire, whatever the case is, and pour through this filter into your cup and you have ready-made kick-ass skull brew coffee, pour over style anywhere you want to go. So be sure to check that out. Head to skullbrewcoffee.com and check out that new product. Now for today's show, we are chatting with my buddy, Chad and Cameron. Here, the second state that we're in, undisclosed state, my buddies from Exodus Trail Cameras, um, are hanging out with me. Uh, we did a couple of days of hunting here, and we're just kind of really recapping, you know, what we had going on during our rut. You know, Chad and I really kind of thinking back on the Missouri trip or the Missouri hunt, plus the state that we're in presently and where we're hunting, and really kind of start talking a little bit about strategically the differences between the places that we've hunted uh, this past rut and how they were all kind of different, and we kind of... Missouri was really one approach because it was all brand new to us. Um, a lot of scouting boots on the ground, pounding the pavement, trying to find hot sign and hunting it to, you know, the state that we're in as we're recording this, which is a place that we've had some history with. And we've had the uh, opportunity to run a fair amount of trail cameras and get some data over the course of a few seasons. And really the way this place hunts, it's, um, you know, you're not, if you're going to go out and just try to hunt hot sign and find hot sign, you may end up walking for a week and never find the thing that you're looking for necessarily to set up on. Um, so we talk a little bit about how those, you know, how both of those styles are, are, you know, different and how we needed to approach each of those hunts. Um, sometimes the pros and cons of each, what we like about each, what we dislike about each. Um, and then the difference just in like your attitude and your approach that you have to have outside of like the strategies and tactics that you might deploy, um, really just about the mental aspect of it and preparing yourself for each, each style of that, each style of hunting that we had to do during, during the course of this trip. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the podcast. As always, want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. I am in the rut wagon still feels like I've been in this thing for like a year it's been the longest 15 <laughs> days or whatever it's been um joined tonight by my esteemed colleagues the senator and representative from the great state of ohio mr chad sylvester i don't know if i'm esteemed but i'm something i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then coming from uh hailing from well you kind of split the line don't you yeah you're like you're part buckeye part keystone Yep. You're a Keystone Buckeye, kind of? <laughs> yeah, are, that's fair. Are you a Steeler fan or are you a Browns fan? Neither. Neither? <laughs> yeah. What, what are you? The Carolina Panthers. How the hell did that happen? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know I, you, I like <clears throat> the color. You like the color? Okay. <laughs> there you go. We were, Mr. Cameron, the cameraman, is with us as well. We are in uh, this undisclosed location. So this is the second state of this Midwestern trip. Um, Chad and I were in Missouri for whatever it was, seven days, you know, and I kind of recapped like my, my mishaps uh, with that trip. 
And then we bolted across the Midwest to an undisclosed location to a, another state um, and have been hunting ever since, basically ever since the weather broke. We had some gnarly temperatures, as most of the Midwest did there earlier in the earlier in the week. Waited for the weather to break, and this is a place we had some intel about some good deer, um, trying to get on the good deer. And, uh, well, we'll just let this podcast kind of play out, and you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll, see, where, you'll see where that landed. Uh, so, Chad, I guess just you kick us off, man. How's, we haven't heard about your um, Missouri trip yet. Cause I did a re I did a recap for mine, just kind of, you know, what happened, what went down yeah. with the, the deer I hit that, yeah. that I lost and whatever. But I did make mention, I think that you had released an arrow, but just want to get the play by play from you. Yeah. So probably a lot like, um, your recap of that trip. My side was pretty similar. A lot of scouting, a lot of hunting, a lot of pressure, and, you know, we're in deer, just not the deer that I wanted to see, um, likewise with you. So when we finally got to that last piece, we, we were in them pretty quick. Uh, I had bumped a, a pretty good one, maybe 30 minutes after you guys had dropped me off, um, working that, working that, uh, the cove of that lake. And that deer was 160 plus, so immediately... You know, I was like, all right, well, they're, they're in here. These, these are the type of deer I want to hunt. This piece is worth some, worth some time, you know. And at that point, that was Friday afternoon, so I think we only had, you know, a day and a half or two days. But uh, I think it was two full days, if I'm remembering correctly. I bumped that deer Friday afternoon, and I hunted Friday night, Saturday morning, or all day Saturday, and then I Sunday sit before we That's right. pulled yeah. out, before we wheeled out. Yeah. But um, when I bumped that deer, he was with a doe, and I thought that I could just circle downwind and get set up. And, you know, uh, there was um, an old railroad, or not an old railroad, but a railroad bed or railroad track not very far from where I bumped that deer. So I immediately jumped out on those tracks and hustled downwind and uh, basically just tried to circle around and get set up. And there was a, a cedar thicket bottom that had some good, just a nice transition out to some private ag. And that's where I ended up setting up. So that night, um, if there was not much time left, I had, I never caught back up with it, with that big deer again, but there was, um, I, I seen a buck come out, out of bedding and work that transition out towards those private ag fields. And, um, he ended up, I mean, I seen him from a long ways away. I was fidgeting with cameras and, um, you know, trying to find him in the viewfinder or whatever. And, but uh, that deer came in, and I had ranged some trees, you know, when I first got set up in there. And I seen where he was headed, and I knew that I had ranged a cedar there that was 30 yards. So I thought, okay, he's he's going to either walk in front of that tree, and I'm just going to hold low, or he's going to go behind that tree, and I'm, I'm going to hold high. So Using single pin? Single pin. Yeah. But I had enough time to dial, dial oh, okay. my pin to 30 yards. I mean, I, the, the whole thing lasted probably three or four minutes. I mean, it was, okay. I had plenty of time. So as he was coming, he got in behind some brush. I drew nice and clean, you know, super patient. He comes out into the opening. I, you know, bleat at him, stops. I let one go. Good shot, clean shot, um, sh- shot underneath his belly. <laughs> and uh, he had no idea what, 
what had happened. So I'm trying to get another arrow, get another arrow knocked. And I give him a snort wheeze, and he's just kind of like looking around like, where the hell, like, where's this deer at? Like, what the, what the heck's going on? After the first snort wheeze, he took a couple steps and kind of hard quartering away from me, possibly like 180, like his butt's facing me. So I snort wheezed at him again, and then he started flicking his tail, and he's looking around. And he still doesn't know what the heck happened. And then uh, I hit him with a grunt, and then at that point, he was like, all right, because he had stood there for probably – 30 or 45 seconds right. and then uh, after that grunt he was finally like okay something's something's not right and hopped up over the railroad bed out towards those fields but um, when I went down to get my arrow it was too dark to actually re- go back and range my tre- range the tree that I was in so I went back to that set that morning um, and ranged that and ranged where he was and it was 42 and a half yards oh wow so it was yeah. a it was a it was a poke. Right. Cameron's over there laughing because he knows how I am with uh, judging with yardage. yardage. Yeah. I was thinking the same. I was thinking the same thing. He's like, "Oh yeah, it's like twenty yards away." And I'm like, "Man, that's like fifty yards." Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know if it's because you have such long strides when you walk because you'll be like, "Yeah, that uh, go down to that you know bench or go down to that saddle, you know, and there'll be a scrape there." And you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's only like you know a couple hundred, like two hundred yards." And I'm like, I end up looking at my tracker and I'm like. Man, that was a half mile. Was you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you talking about the set this morning. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the yeah. one I went to this afternoon or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, I mean, you said it was a couple hundred. It wasn't much more. I mean, it was like four tenths of a mile oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't. It's not like the other place I was, you know, hunting right. the past two days or whatever. That right. was that was a gnarly hike. But then you ended up seeing that deer again, right? The following day, I think. So the the following, so I went back to that set Saturday morning, and was still in deer. Um, had several does come through that morning, had a single doe come past my, past my setup at like 10 yards at like eight, eight thirty in the morning. I'm like, all right, well, it's, this is perfect. You know, um, there's actually a buck there in the morning and I just couldn't, it was so dark. It was before first light. I just, all I could see, I mean, he was almost directly under my tree. I got to spit on him. You know, I could see it was like make out where his beams because it was so dark. I couldn't tell what he had for G ones, G twos or whatever. But, um, so anyways, that doe came through at 8.30, and I thought I was into money, you know, and that was the last deer I saw. And then finally, later in the afternoon, it was probably 2, 3 o'clock, I just thought, you know, that buck wasn't too shook up last night. There's a good chance he's going to do the same thing tonight. So I was looking at where I could get set up to get within 30 yards, and there was, there's, like, down in that cedar bottom, that that cedar thicket, there, just, there weren't any trees to get in. So... I uh, I hopped down and found the trail that he was using. It was just basically like a little, um, a real barely noticeable ditch down in that bottom that he was following. So I just tucked in be, behind a cedar tree and just broke some branches and tucked in there and actually had a camera and stuff set up on a tree next to me. And I that was like within 25 yards of where that, that little ditch was that he was using. So later in the afternoon, it's rolling on, and now I, it's like 30 minutes of, of shooting time left and I'm like, all right, well this ain't gonna happen, you know? And just real faintly I hear grunt. And it was like just quiet enough. I was like, wait, did I hear that right? Was that was that a grunt? Then I heard it again. I was like, oh that was a grunt. But I I didn't hear any running or chasing or anything. And then I look up on the far edge of that thicket, which is like fifty couple yards probably, out pops a doe. 
like and she her tail's up and like she's running and she runs around this little island of trees and I'm like oh crap so I grab my bow turn the GoPro on I didn't have time to turn the other camera on and then there's a that same buck was out between two cedar trees like looking for that doe because she had ran around the island so I draw I snort wheeze at him and his head snaps around boom just pegs me <laughs> <laughs> I'm at full draw he's I mean he's head on staring at me and he's 50 couple yards or whatever and um so i'm at full draw for like 30 seconds now he's wondering because i'm looking at him he's looking at me neither one of us know what the doe's doing so he's like looking at me looking like looking around for the doe looking at me looking around for the doe finally he just takes one bound behind that island of cedar trees i let my bow down and try to get a visual on like what the heck's happening Never seen or heard those deer again. I have no idea what happened. Just to vanished. Them. Wow. Like thin air. Like boom, gone. That place is crazy. I mean, for those out there listening, we, you know, I mentioned it in the last kind of recap podcast. We jumped around to three different pieces of public while we were in Missouri, just trying to find good deer, trying to get into deer because this was a completely freelance hunt. Chad, neither of us had been to Missouri to scout or do anything. Our buddy Zach is from Missouri that was with us, but he wasn't from that area of Missouri. He was several hours, you know, away from where he, where he lived. So he'd never even heard of those places that we, we, that we had been to. And, you know, it's just kind of, (laughs) it's, it's kind of crazy just to kind of land on a spot, you know, and try to, and then go try to figure it out. And all the places we got into deer relatively quickly, but this place here in particular is just, was kind of like a little honey hole where it's like, we immediately found, because, you know, I'd mentioned in the previous episode that I did, you know, I about got run over by a 150-inch deer that was chasing a doe. You know what I mean? It was like, and that was the same day within 10 minutes of when you bumped that, you know, 160. Yeah. And so within the first 30 minutes of us being on this particular piece of public, we had encounters with two giant bucks. Yeah. You know? And if I would have been on my game... You know, I had just got dropped off and uh, was scouting to a pin that I had dropped and immediately got into some sign. If I would have been on my game, I maybe could have had a chance to shoot that deer. Really? Well, when I walked, when I was walking around that transition, found a bunch of rubs, went to an acorn flat, a bunch of rubs there. Then I went through a little knoll that wasn't really a ridge, but like a little hill. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, it was a cedar thicket, like a bunch of warm season grasses and just isolated yeah. cedars in there. The sign wasn't very good there, but there was a hard trail that went kind of over the top of it. And as it went over the top, it went into some um, hardwoods. And as soon as I dropped over that, I seen a ladder stand. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, who in the hell is carrying a ladder stand back here? Like, we just left these other pieces that were pounded polluted, polluted pretty good people, yeah and in back of my mind i'm thinking like why me? why does this always happen to me and then that's when i seen that doe stand up and you know she boogered out of there and then he got up right right after so right. if i would have been paying more attention and had an arrow knocked like right. like i should have it was november 5th or 6th 7th right. i i don't know what day that was yeah that was the one thing that i did a fair amount of oh i'll say a fair amount because it's more than i usually do it um walking through that particular piece just because of the way it laid out because you would be walking through hardwood then you would hit a cedar thicket and then all of a sudden boom you would pop out the other side of the cedar thicket and you'd be in like this warm season grass is crp mm-hmm. kind of set up 
with a cedar thicket on the opposite side of you. And so I did a, a fair amount of walking around with an arrow knocked because of that, because you could see, yeah. you know what I mean? And you could just walk out into the open and there could be a buck chasing a doe or whatever the case was. Because when I saw that big deer and about got run over, Zach and I were looking at the map and we were like, you know, and I'll give credit to Zach here because we were kind of scouting this direction anyway. We we're trying to make it over like to this, this far back corner. We wanted to go all the way to like the, the end of like where the property line stopped on this side, there was a body of water that we were kind of around and that's, we were trying to make it all the way to the end where the, where the, where the public stopped. And, and Zach looks at, we're looking at the map and he looks at me, he's like, if I'm a buck, I'm a big buck. He's like, and I'm trying to cut out a doe and I'm going to breed her. He's like, I would take her right here. And I was like, well, let's walk over there. And so we ended up walking over there and sure enough, that buck was with that doe right there in that spot. We had him at like, 40 yards is neither, uh, probably, eh, 40-ish yards, and just neither of us saw them. We had the wind in our face where it's like if we just would have seen them, we may have been able to make a play because we had that tall-ass grass in between. They were in, it was just like this little cove of hardwoods that popped out like this little finger into like this CRP kind of grass or whatever. And super tall grass, it was probably about chest high. It would have been really easy to kind of sink down in and kind of try to stalk your way up with the wind in your face. It would have been a nice, it would have been a cool setup, but neither of us saw them in time. Like we just we saw them about the same time they saw us, and they were gone, and and that was it. But man, that place is like I would have stayed an extra couple of days because I know you and Zach had to take off, but the weather was just going to be garbage, and it didn't make any. I mean, it was going to be, but I mean, in hindsight, maybe I should have stayed because I mean, the weather was garbage when we were there, and we were still running into deer to to deer every day. Yeah, I at mean, least the mornings. I thought you were crazy for leaving. Because you guys were in deer. You you had shot one. Chad missed one. I would have definitely, like, if you didn't have anywhere else to be, I would have definitely stayed there, especially over coming here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just tough when you know it's the, the temps are in like high 70s, low 80s, maybe one day. It's just, I mean, it's it was like that across the Midwest for everybody, so it doesn't do any good, you know, to complain about it. Yeah, but uh, it it, it was starts it was. to wear on your psyche a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, having good weather definitely makes it a lot easier to you know get up day after day, especially on these types of trips. You know, where it's like, I think I said at the beginning, you know, this is like day fifteen or whatever it is for me, living in a tiny trailer you know, not showering, but every like three or four days at best, you know what I mean? You know, you're looking for any little thing that you can grab a hold of that gives you the, the gumption to, to get up the next morning and kind of keep, keep going and stuff like that. Cause I make no bones about, I'm not one of these guys that says I could hunt for six months straight every day, all day. I'm no, I'm a realist. It's like, I've seen my max. My max is about 15 days yeah. of getting after it every day. And then yeah. it's like, I need to, hit the reset button and have like a normal life and take a real shower yeah, and that use real shampoo that smells like something, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, something, but I mean, Cameron, there was a moment whenever I was leaving where I was like, man, I should just stay like two more days. I was like, cause the deer, the deer hunting there is phenomenal. Like we found a little spot where it gets gun hunted. We know that we talked to some locals. We know that it gets, pounded pretty hard like during gun season but nobody really bow hunts it yeah that's, it seemed pretty special and i was just thinking like the weather sucks there and it's gonna suck here too and 
coming here, like you just need everything to work in your favor to have a good hunt here. And we were going to get weather that break just a couple days later. So just keep those next two days when you're on deer, even though the weather's not ideal, it's not going to be ideal here either. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing about that spot in Missouri too was like, I mean, I know Chad, you, you were walking into that one spot, but like some of the spots that Zach and I found was you could get there if you wanted to walk, but it was going to be a haul. It uh, was yeah. like water access there in him with his boat. Was, you were going to be by yourself. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to have a boat. I was going to be completely, I mean, which is fine. I don't mind. I mean, I was by myself while I was in Iowa last year, so it's not, not a big deal. But it was just more thinking about like how many of the spots can I really get to that I want to get to if I don't have a boat. That's fair. You know, and the drag, you know, not that the drag, you know, I would just, pack it out you know quarter it up and pack it out actually zach was telling us that they actually prefer that in missouri for disease reasons they prefer for you just leave the carcass in a timber and pack out is what they is what they prefer which i thought was interesting um but yeah so that's the basic that's the end of that was the end of the missouri trip i already kind of gave my synopsis for what happened to me um but definitely a state you know that i will be going back to the cool thing was is we met some great locals you know, we met some, you know, Zach and I met a guy from Florida, super good dude, Was had been hunting there before, which was odd because it was not a ton of people there. He said there was like, I haven't seen pressure like this in a while. And we were like, man, <laughs> if this is pressure, I'm like, I'm not I, I'm not sure what you, what you mean because <laughs> you're the only person I've seen, yeah. you know. Um, Zach and I did see a father-son duo pull two hammers out. They, they were boating in behind us. Uh, the morning that I shot mine and um, the kid killed his first archery buck. It was probably like a mid one forties, 10 point. Wow. It was a hammer. Yeah. And they were actually right over where we were at, like not far from where, where we were hunting. And his dad killed a, killed a nice 10 point. It's probably like 125 inches. Or something wow. like that. It's a good buck. Sounds like they're stacked in there. <laughs> they are. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just the right habitat. I think I, you know, I just think they have such diversity and such small, like little pockets and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to think about that. I, I really couldn't put my finger on why, like, the deer activity in that general area was so good. It's super, super thick. Like all of it's just gnarly thick. Um, you know, it's around a body of water, so it's like that. You get a lot. Well, I think too, it's like when you get around water, it's like you get a ton of diversity and you get really like significant like edge transitions and stuff like that whenever yeah, the you're movement that. is so defined yeah. yeah and so it does make it it does make it a little i won't say easier but like you, if you're starting from ground zero it's like you have some pretty definitive places you can start looking yeah to be able to tell pretty quickly whether or not there's deer there or not you know and i think that was partly what we were running into and in some of that stuff we were hunting previously it was just like you know the second piece in particular you know, it was hard to find, like, we just weren't finding a lot of sign even, you know, that's the one thing, like, I didn't see a lot of scrapes. Did you see a lot of scrapes in Missouri? Like that kind of blew my mind. Like I expected to see just like some hammer scrapes like I'd seen in Iowa, but I didn't see hardly any. I didn't come across any primary community scrapes, but down in those Creek bottoms, um, there were that, yeah, there were a handful. There was in the one area I did come across one, which it was in a transition from a Creek bottom kind of out to one of the bean fields that was on the conservation land. And then on that same piece, but a different area, 
the day that I walked like five or six miles, I got down into a bottom that had a bunch of drainages um, kind of coming down in, into that creek and kind of opening up into kind of like draws, I guess. They were bigger drainages. And I cut a couple scrape lines there where there was just, you know, scrape after scrape after scrape, just kind of edge or territory scrapes down those bottoms, which when I walked past it, when I walked past all that, there were rubs and stuff down there too, but nothing of any size. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is all, this is all night sign. Right. You know? Yeah. I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like most of the stuff I'd found was one big hammer rub. And that first piece we were on, that had a scrape right next to it. That was super fresh. Like I like that. And then we found that scrape line where Zach and I had that encounter with those couple shooters in that first piece. The second piece though, I found one or two in the timber, but they weren't like very big. You know, like they didn't look like they were really getting hammered. I kind of thought the same thing. It was like nighttime, you know, activity. And then just some like really obvious like logging roads or whatever, like a scrape line that again, obvious, you know, nighttime activity right. predominantly. You know, so that was the thing that kind of threw me for a loop because I was like, all right, find the hot scrapes. Let's set up on those. But I was finding more fresh rubs. You know, than I was than I was anything, which is interesting. But so now that brings us to the undisclosed location where we are currently. It's a it's a love hate relationship, I think, for all three of us. <laughs> There's no love here. <laughs> no, Cameron's not even going to try to pretend. It's all it's all hate for him. But uh, you know, I don't. This is like I, I've hunted this piece before. I've scouted it, you know, before with with my buddies here. Um, it's just a hard place to hunt, man. You know, it's, I, I can't really, I can't really explain it any other way. You know, you, I've never seen the caliber of deer ever anywhere else that I've ever hunted. That's including Iowa. Just the number of big deer that you can find on camera or using a camera, right? Verifying that you have world-class animals. But the terrain is so vast, so steep, so thick, and just rugged and hard to get into places. And the deer density is just low. And it's it's really a it's a for me it's a test. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started podcasting. It's a little bit of a test because I like to so when we were in Missouri, for example, Chad, like you and I, like that we were loving that because it was freelance hunting so it required us to move and scout and find sign and find yep. where we're set, gonna set up which yep. we both really like yep. right we both like to hunt you know it's like you're not waiting for deer it's like you're hunting yeah. the deer right this place it's like and it's really kind of like a juxtaposition to do it all in one trip because you go from like super aggressive gonna go find deer bump deer know where they're at and then i'm gonna set up on them or whatever to playing the long game of like I have three to four years of trail camera data and this buck should be hitting these scrapes or these, you know, uh, cruising areas or scrapes or whichever, wherever the camera was placed within this four day window. And you just need to be there those four days all day, dark to dark, dark to dark. And you'll, and you'll likely get an opportunity, Yep. you know, and it's just, and that, of course, like weather has to line up for you because it might throw off the days by a couple of days or whatever, you know, so there's there's some things in there. But it's like when you have three to four years worth of data that says this deer shows up 
between the 11th and the 17th of November, like clockwork, two times in that week, he will show up at yep. daylight in this in this spot. Yep. Right? And it's just going from, like, that grind it out, get after it, to, like, just, I'm going to go now, just sit all day. Is it was, I'm going to be honest. It was tough for me to kind of make the shift. This is much more... Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Mental, mentally challenging and really test your discipline and your faith in the process. Yeah. More than any place I've ever hunted. And I I maybe mentioned this to you, Clint, or maybe it was Cameron, but... um. I really feel like this is one of the hardest places to hunt with the exception of the Northeast. Mm -hmm. Cause it's so yeah. similar to the Northeast. It is very similar yeah. to the Northeast. Yeah. Big woods, low deer, low deer numbers, yep. mm -hmm. such long movements. Mm -hmm. The deer. only difference would be that the deer here, you will, you can find world-class yeah. deer. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, di that, that to me is like really the only difference. Well, that's the only reason we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And weather, yeah. I mean, they have, obviously, they'll get snow, and, you know, you could do some tracking and stuff like that up there. We're here. It's like you're not going to no not gonna do any of that. No. There's no snow here. But, yeah, I mean, before, I mean I'll just go for my sits. You know, um, I got here earlier, you know, because I left Missouri. Chad had to head home for a couple of days to take care of some business. Um, and I ended up, the first night I was here, I didn't really do anything. Set up camp. The second day i was here i went out i hunted somewhere in the morning and i i don't even remember where it was at in the, the ground scrape no that was the evening oh. i hunted somewhere in the oh, morning. The saddle oh yeah yeah I hunted that saddle and checked all the cameras that's right and there was a new cut that had gotten done we scouted this in the spring early or like it's february yeah like yeah. february and they hadn't cut it yet Right. And we went through and scouted it and we were like, oh, okay, yeah, this seems like a good piece. Well, then Chad came back, Chad and Cameron came back to hang cameras over the summer at some point, right? I think it was. It was July. Yeah. July. Um, and they had done a cut all around, all around that. So we all kind of got excited. We were like, sweet, you know, let's put some cameras up on this, see what's, see what's shaking. It may not be a player per se this year, but the next several years, it should be a, it should be a player. And we actually ended up getting one, well, a couple decent deer, like younger deer, and then one of the, you know, S-Ben made his appearance, which that guy shows up, like, everywhere. I'm like, I think he just likes to party, because <laughs> it's like every ridge, it's like he ends up being on camera on, like, every single stinking ridge. That's surprising, because he's so old. He is. That deer's, uh, I hunted that deer specifically in 16 and 17, and he was four and five then so and what did he go whenever he was that when he was that age i forget he was a clean typical 10 around 170 inches probably something yeah. maybe low 60s maybe maybe in the mid mid 70s somewhere in there just clean typical giant frame yeah giant frame deer big deer and now he's probably goes high 40s probably right yeah i mean he's gone i mean he's old as shit like, La he still had a good frame on him last year. Yeah, he yeah, did last year. He was, this he year he went sixties last year. This year he went downhill pretty dramatically. Yeah. yeah, but he's probably what eight at this point, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But he showed up on that over there, so I went around and checked all those cameras, and then um, that evening I, I hunted a ground setup where we had a new 
a new player show up just whatever it was two weeks ago. That Big Ten. Uh, just a couple he, days ago. He, or, we were in Missouri yeah. when that happened. Like yeah. the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. He was a hammer. Because he was over in that same area that I'm hunting. He's yeah. probably 160-ish. Yeah. He's in the 60s. Yeah. The flyer off his G2. Yep. Big deer. And uh, so I went and hunted that ground, or the scrape from the ground. It was a good set. It was warm, though. It was like 80. That was the day that was 80 degrees. So it was just a miserable hunt. Um. And then I don't remember what I did the what I did the following day, but then the re, the real reason why you know not well, I guess why I kind of showed up here why I came to this particular spot is because there is a a spot that Chad had hunted in the past. Another buddy of ours had hunted the general area in the past. I actually arrowed a, a big deer in that spot and, and lost it. Um, and it's just a gnarly hike in. And there's this cruising, these two benches that come together. It's like this perfect little spot to intersect to kind of run these ridges. And there's a, I guess, a typical 10 from the past, like, two years or whatever that has been hitting this spot. Last year, we had him in daylight a couple times right around this this time frame. The 11th. Yep. Yeah, around 11th. the 11th, yeah. And then he'll show up. Yeah, you usually show up, like, twice between, like, the 11th and, like, the 17th or something like that. And he'll hit it again up until, like, late. Or mid December, I think it was. If I'm yeah, December, remembering this, December thirteenth or seventeenth. Yeah. yeah. So he'll basically make two rounds, and he hit. He's hit this scrape that's there, and another scrape that's further out the ridge. Um, in October, a couple times, and he put on some. He was a good deer last year, and he put on some significant length this year. Couldn't really tell because the, with the pictures like of his mass, but he had a lot of mass last year. Yeah, he was thick. What's that? He was thick. Yeah. I don't know what he would score this year. I would say he's probably pretty close to Boone and Crockett. If he's not Boone and Crockett, would be would be my guess. But that's why I was coming here was to hunt that particular deer because I really felt like, you know, had an, would have an opportunity if I was able to sit for a couple of days straight at this particular spot. And if the wind was going to be good to me, I, I should get an opportunity. So I sat it. This is one of those places where it's like you may go days and not see a single deer. Yep. And then you will be sitting, and then all of a sudden a giant will show up. And that's kind of just the way this place hunts. And so I was down there for two days, didn't see anything. Um, got in there this morning. Actually ended up having a, a doe blow. I couldn't see her. There was no way she winded me. I was in my tree for 10 minutes, and my wind was good. And I couldn't figure out why she was blowing. I thought maybe, you know, a coyote or something bumped her or something like that. I wasn't sure what it was. And then, you know daylight kind of breaks it's like maybe 10 minutes later after that doe blows and kind of like bounces off and then all of a sudden i hear like the loudest grunt ever ever heard in my life and at first it was one of those types of grunts it's like it's so loud where you think that it's a a person because you're like that can't be a deer you know and so i waited for a few minutes and then he hit again and now he was in a different part of the ridge and i was like okay you know for one, no human can make that move that fast on this terrain yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get from that spot to that spot that quickly and without me hearing him, like, do it, you know. So then at that point, I knew it was a deer. Um, I called back to it. I tried to bring it in. It didn't It didn't want to play. My guess was it, it was a, that buck was over there messing with that doe. She blew, got out of there. He stuck around. He didn't want to play the reindeer games. So then I was actually pulling my stuff and getting out of that spot, headed to another spot for this evening. And when I got out, I actually ended up jumping a solo bedded deer near that ridge because the access path kind of goes by where I heard that grunt and ended up jumping a deer. I don't know what it was. 
I mean, I would venture a guess it was probably whatever deer was doing the grunting. Don't know right. how big it was or whatever, but I would tend to think that a deer that could grunt like that probably wasn't a young deer. Would be my would be my guess or a small deer. And then went to this other ridge top snakeskin ridge, as we like to call it, because I got the shit scared out of me with a big rattlesnake skin that I thought was a rattlesnake the one day. Um, thought S Bend was coming through. Had a buck show up. Uh, it was a nice, nice buck. Probably like 120, uh, 120 inch eight point. You know, good deer. Just wasn't what I'm necessarily here for. Um, and never gave me a shot opportunity. I lost it for a second whenever I was grabbing my bow thought it was headed into the brush and I wasn't sure what deer it was at that point. I, at that point I still thought it was S bend. So I grunted at it to bring it back out. Um, but it never actually made it to the brush. It was standing at like 45 yards and never moved. I just lost it behind a tree. So then he got a little shook or a little weird because he was now looking for that deer that grunted at him, couldn't see it and got a little, got a little leery. He came into 36 yards. And at that point I recognized it wasn't a deer I was going to shoot. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal necessarily. Um, but it was exciting to be able to pull my bow off the hook finally at, at this particular parcel because it's I've never pulled my bow off and put it in my hand. Yeah. Anytime I've been here, and it's like this is what four days this trip or three day four days this trip, mm-hmm. and ten days the, a previous trip. Yeah. So it's in fourteen days I've picked up my bow once, and fourteen <laughs> all day hunts I've picked up my bow once. Um, doesn't sound too enticing. <laughs> no, it's miserable. Yeah, it's it's it it is, but like I don't know, man. It's it's just the opportunity because Cameron, you asked you asked us why we come here, right? Or you, I guess you were asking me specifically, like, why are you coming here? Yeah. And you know what I said was was that I come here because this is the only place I can think of that I know of, you know, that has been shared with me that I can have a legitimate chance to hunt and see and potentially kill a world-class animal. Like you on have public that ground. on public ground. You have that opportunity at this particular spot. And if I wanted to see smaller deer, I could go any number of other places and see smaller deer or good deer or whatever. But I'm willing to go through the pain because that one time that it works, it's like, man, you'll, you'll remember it forever. You know? Yeah, I I get it. I respect it. I'm just not I'm not there in my hunting career. So like, I haven't killed a bunch of 130s, 140s. I haven't. I'm not after that world class animal yet to be like, okay, I'm gonna give up my November to go sit in a tree for seven days and maybe see a deer. Like, think about that in your head. Like, I'm gonna sit in November. Doesn't make a lot of sense when you hear someone say it. Yeah, like you're like <laughs> you're picking the best days in November, right? You're like what we had a shitty weather this November and we're like finally okay, you're going to get some weather breaking and in my head I'm like okay, I'm going to go down here and sit in a tree for 4 days, the best days that I've had so far of the year and maybe I'll see a deer. Yeah. But to your guys's point like it might be the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I had that experience with you it's like i hunted one day and i saw the biggest deer i've ever seen in my life yeah (laughs) and i was like oh my god this place is something special and like i i get the appeal i'm just not i'm not there yet and i thought maybe i i was and i came down here and i'm i'm just not ready for to give up other opportunities at bucks that i would be so happy to shoot elsewhere and then i come down here and i'm like 
all of a sudden that deer that I would shoot up north is not worthy and I wouldn't shoot it down here. And right. I don't, I don't think that's, that's not, doesn't make sense for me. Right. Cause you're going to work your ass off hunting here and you can call me lazy. You can call me weak, whatever it would, I have easier opportunities to kill deer. Right. And this was like, you're going to work harder and most likely get shut out. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, even, even when the odds, all the odds are in your favor, like you have great weather days, you have, um, you know, solid data points on a couple of different deer or, or a specific area. You have the first two weeks in November when all of this, like all, when all the stars align and you're, and you're here hunting, the odds are still terrible for you. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and when you're just hunting deer, it's that way. And then when you try to kill a specific deer, it's like, you might as well just buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. Right. It's the odds are that bad. I wasn't even doing that. I was, I was in a, um, I guess I'll tackle my hunt. So I, I wasn't even going to come down. You guys had it planned that you guys were coming, and I came in the um, winter and scouted with you guys, and another buddy of ours, Moose, came down as well. And he did some scouting on his own and hung a cell camera, and he's been sending me all these pictures of these big deer hitting this scrape, and whatever happened, he couldn't come down, and he was like, one of you guys need to go hunt this scrape. It's on fire. So I was like, all right, well. The morning I decided to come, there was a 140-inch 10-point at 6.56 in the morning, broad daylight. Like, all right, I'm going. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so it was my birthday the following day. Chad and I have the same birthday, November 11th. So, I didn't realize your birthday was the 11th, too. Well, damn, dude. And happy your birthday. wife. Yeah. Yep. That's messed up. I didn't even tell you happy birthday the other day. <laughs> Now I feel like an asshole. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I didn't tell my wife either. She had to remind me. So <laughs> there's that. But anyway, so I went. Um, my girlfriend and I celebrated my birthday, November 10th in the evening, which is the night Chad came down. I had the opportunity to either come down with Chad, or wait until the following morning to come down. I was like, well, I'm going to a spot that I've never been to. I've never even driven over there, so I don't know if I'm going to know how to get there. I want to do it in the daylight. So I'll leave in the morning. And the weather was going to be shit that morning. Like, it was going to rain. Yeah, all rain. Morning. all. But I was thinking, like, you're hunting a scrape. Get in there while it's raining. Mm-hmm. And anyway, that still ended up happening. But on my way down here, there is uh, Moose shoots me a text, and there's a what could be the same buck from the day before busted off half his rack he's like now was missing a main beam and i was like man i'm gonna be going down there can you share that camera with me he shares it with me and 10 minutes later there's a hammer like one mid 50s eight pointer like 9 a.m on this scrape and i'm like oh my god like i'm two hours away i'm on my way down there (laughs) and i'm thinking in my head like there's no way this isn't gonna happen november 10th 656 140 November 11th, um, seven, or 8 a.m., 9 a.m., two different shooters. And I'm going to be there November 11th in the evening, November 12th, November 13th in the morning. It's got to happen, right? So <laughs> tell, tell, tell everyone out there listening what you said your odds were when we were in, we were in the camper talking about, like... There was a 100% chance it was going to happen. There yeah. was no way 
I wasn't going to shoot one of these deer. And I do that to myself to kind of psych myself up. Cody DeQuisto said it once, and it stuck with me. Is like, if you don't think you're going to kill mm-hmm. every time you're in a tree, why are, you, why are you even in there? Yep. And that's part of the reason why I'm going home tomorrow. But anyway, um, so I get up in there. I get set up, and the uh, the tree that I picked out was perfect. And I'm sitting in this tree for 30 minutes, and a, a buck walks by. I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm in it, man. <laughs> and it was a uh, just a forky. Um, but whatever. It's like you saw a buck, like first yeah. thing. I mean, that's like when you show up to a place, and it's like the first 30 minutes. You're like, you fir- you see a a buck in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. You're like, you're especially like, here. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're like thinking, like you, you come down here and not see a deer for days, and I just set my uh, saddle up and a buck walks behind me. I'm like, Oh my God, like hundred percent chance this is happening. <laughs> so that evening goes by. Um, I do see another, uh, decent buck, like hundred inch buck walks below me. I'm like, okay. So feeling good going to the next morning. My access was, um, clean it, as clean as it can be. It's so loud getting in the woods here, but it had rained the day previous and the leaves are a little bit wet i took my time it's a it was about uh three quarters of a mile a little less than three quarters of a mile and it was like uh, i think 200 feet in elevation so it happened quickly like the the, mm-hmm. the climb happened quickly and I, I got up to the top didn't have to use a light got set up half an hour before um legal light feeling good and a couple hours go by, and a deer starts coming down the ridge top, and I'm like, "Here we go, this is it." And I look at it, and I was like, "Oh man, it's a doe." But I'm thinking, like, "Okay, it's November twelfth. There's gonna be a hammer right behind her. Has to be. Yeah, like <laughs> this is hundred percent chance this is gonna happen." Grab my bow, and I look, and I see that the deer had antlers, and I thought it was just a brow time. I was like, oh my God, I can't even see its frame. Like this thing's huge. (laughs) (laughs) It's so big. I can't see it. Yeah. I was like, it's so wide. Like the way the brush is, I can't even, I can't even see it. And then it starts walking more and I'm about to draw and I see it's a spike. I was like, (laughs) oh my God. So it was like, I don't know, 40 degrees that morning. The wind was howling. I was shaking for an hour after that because I had convinced myself that I was about to shoot a giant. Yeah, and it was just a spike. I love that. Yeah, and so I can't believe it's it's his brow tie. It's huge. Yeah, I literally was like, "Oh, that's his brow." So it was just just a spike. But that's the only deer I saw yesterday. And I was like, "Okay, you saw two deer the first time. You saw two bucks the first time. You saw a buck the third time. Next one, next day, Shooter. the big one's coming. Yep, go sit in the tree." dark to dark didn't see a deer and i could take the fourth day odds for tomorrow but the numbers got smaller two one zero i don't think they're gonna go back up so i don't know what i i had a lot of time to think about it and i don't know if like so all this trail camera data that we're collecting over these years so the the spot that you're hunting there's been a trail camera there for five years and no one's hunting. And that trail camera data is so important and it's so crucial to us, but that's all data that is, um, 
non you're not intrusive on it. You're not going in. You're not there. Mm-hmm. You're not walking that ridge. You're you're not putting any pressure on that area. Not that we're putting pressure on it, but that deer is walking on that ridge November 11th on a day that there's nothing else there. Yeah. And then we're walking in there, and it's so loud. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because my access was loud or the way I don't know that ridge that well, and I might have been putting up deer way before I was getting to my spot. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were on to me or I was just a day late because there's that cycle that we talked about. There's like four or five right. days, and if you're if you're a day behind the cycle, you got to wait five more days before them to come back. And we don't have enough intel from that space to know what it gets like because it might be done. Like the spot that you're hunting is like November, or it was kind of like October 28th to the November 11th time frame, and then maybe November 14th, and then it shut down until mid-December. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a deer on that camera from November 14th to December f- f- 17th. Right. Yep. So th- that ridge could be the same way, and I don't know that. Yep. So I'm pulling out, and that was my my three days down here. And like I was telling you guys before, um, I'll, being so young in my hunting career, I don't have a lot of exposure to a bunch of different hunting styles and that's one of my goals is to be super well-rounded and be able to get it done multiple different ways and in different areas and I know what it takes to get it done down here and I just I'm not I'm not built that way I don't have I'm too impatient my hunting style is way too impatient I like to go find the sign I want to go find the deer I want to know where they're at and Chad and I have talked about this before. Like you're sitting in the tree all day and you're thinking like, did they catch my boot track? Do they know I'm here? Are they going to ever come back? You just don't know. And you play all these games in your head. And I, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm not mentally disciplined enough to, to sit in that tree for another 14 hours and not see a deer. Right. I just feel like I'm wasting my time. Yep. I'm gonna be driving home, and that hammer is gonna be hitting the scrape. So probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Good chance of that. But that's uh, then I'll also play that through my head, and I even told myself this already. He's like, "Yeah, he pro- that the only day I'm not there, he hits the scrape because he knew I wasn't there." Maybe you know what I mean, or, or that's just it's the pattern. cycle. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not that, willing to find out. That's you know, that's what I was saying earlier in this episode. This place is mentally exhausting. It is. There's, um, you know. Early on, because I've I've hunted this multiple for multiple years, but early on I would go through the same thing. I would have deer on camera. I would kind of figure out what their pattern was in that specific area, and know that they should be there around certain days. And then when I'd go in and hunt it, and and not have and have a bad hunt, like not see a deer. It's like okay, did they win me? Did they cut my boot track? Did I bump them on the way in? Like some, I'm doing something wrong. And after spending more time here, running more cameras and just getting a better idea of how these deer work in this type of terrain and habitat, it's very possible you're doing everything right. And the deer are just two ridges over. Like they're, they're a mile away from you. There's some guys that you've met down here that, you know, that are good hunters that are, uh, 
that that run into the same thing that we've run into. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's not just us. There's not yeah. a single person that I know that kills deer down here consistently. Not a single person. And I know Chrysler. Chad Chrysler's probably the closest that it comes to it. Yeah. Yep. And, but he's not killing booners. I mean, but he's he's killing, killing deer. Yeah. Yeah. And he keeps meticulous notes. So when I first met him, he had like you and I are about the same age, so you 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 can probably re, uh, remember this, but like you remember like back in the day, like you were probably sixteen, seventeen, like you had a little black book, yep. like of girls' numbers, yep. you know, like that was your <laughs> before yeah. the cell phone days. Before cell phones, yeah, you had a black book. Here laughing, yeah. a little black. Well, he had a little black book of like two hundred stand locations for this piece. Yeah, I mean that's how. Wow. I mean, the dude gets after it pretty pretty good. He was down here on a broken leg the one year I was here. Yeah. Yep. He had a broken leg and was still trying to hike in through this shit. Yeah. With a no boot. Thank he you. had a boot. Yeah. yeah. Walking boot. No thanks. Yeah. I'm fine and I don't want to do it again. Yeah. But yeah. So it's it's definitely a hard place to hunt, but it's just, you know, look, and I I'm happy to shoot, you know, I see like a a good deer, like a 130 inch deer, like I'll stick it down here. Like I, you know, um, I'm not holding out for that, you know, that mid one seventies, 10 point that I've seen on camera. Cause I know, you know, we were just talking about it before we were recording. It's like, you know what we were saying, there's probably three or four, 200 inch deer that are around here, you know, on this particular, you know, lot of however many thousands of acres are here. And there's probably thirty-ish like Boone and Crockett deer that probably call this place call this place home, you know. And it's a lot of land, you know. And when you start thinking about okay, thirty Boone and Crockett deer over the amount of acreage that's here, that's still like not a lot, you know what I mean? Like it sounds like a lot, but when you start looking at it by like acreage, and you say, well, if you divide that up by like the amount of acreage that's here, it's like. Man, you're talking thousands of acres that holds a booner, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't... We talked to a CO last night, yeah. and I've talked talked to the forester down here multiple times, and I always ask everyone the same questions, like, what what is the deer density here? And no one, will, no one knows or they won't say, but I truly believe it's not more than three or four deer per, per square we mile. We looked the county up, and it was two. The county was two? Yeah. Per yeah. two deer per square mile. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. But you come down and check cameras and it's like Well when you do a card pool and pull yeah. two cameras and there were four booners on two cameras, you're like, Well, well shit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? None it's of them like, are killable. <laughs> none of them are killable. Oh, yeah. Man. man. It's a love it's a love hate relationship. I mean, I'll come back to this place. It's just it's one of those things where until I kill my deer down here. It's like I will continue to hunt this place as often as I can. I think I'll come back too, but it'll be a while. I need to test myself in other ways before I'm I'm willing to test myself this way again. I it's just not a terrain that I'm in love with. You guys kind of you love the hills, mm-hmm. you like the vastness. I don't I don't know why, but it's just like that doesn't really appeal to me as much. I don't, I think it's because the way you have to hunt it. That just doesn't fit the way I want to hunt. Yeah, it's one of those things here where it's like, 
you know, the, the moving and trying to find hot sign is like you, I mean, you'll just walk, you'll walk 10 miles a day and not see shit. Yeah, you know, the deer that, just don't leave a lot of sun. No, yeah. I mean, you, it's, that was the thing that blew me away. And I know we've talked about this before, so I won't belabor the point, but, you know, when I first started coming down here, that was the thing that blew me away. It's like, you know that there's like, okay, so you have a camera and you're like, oh, there's a 150, a 160 and like a mid 170s on camera in this general area. They're all spending time around here and there's a rub that you would find in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a 110 inch eight point would make in PA. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, a scrape that looks like the size of like a dinner plate. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. That's, and that's only sign on the entire ridge. Yep. And there's that. no deer trails. The ground's so hard and it's so full uh, of yeah. leaves. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't deer don't, tracks here. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that I've been really trying to hone in on is cutting a big track. And you can't do that. That was the nice thing about Missouri hunting a lot of that creek bottom and around yeah. water and stuff like that, man. You could find, you know, cut some decent tracks and know that you're have a good one around or whatever. But I think the the lack of sign correlates to the low deer density. And well, they then, just don't overlap ranges very much, so it's like there's no. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, their home ranges are 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 so big. They travel. And the one place there is hammer sign is where they overlap. Well, is you know S Bend and you know and another big deer you know that we know is in an area it's like that's the only place that there was like hammer sign that was thrown down and then the spot that um caesar right yeah where his and another deer overlapped there was a scrape there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that was back in 17 yeah 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 so it's just it's crazy so it's like to come down here and just put boots on the ground and get after it, it's like you're pissing in the wind. Yeah, you have to do that in February. And then... You have to use cameras. Yeah. Yeah. There's... I've I've tried to do both. So I've tried to scout, 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 hunt, scout, 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 hunt, and also just pick a terrain feature and sit in a terrain feature, like pick a saddle and just, just sit in a saddle. And I am... 100% convinced the only way to somewhat be consistent or successful down here is to run cameras, have historical data, and have a lot of time for dark-to-dark sits in those areas. Yep, and a lot of mental strength. And you better be disciplined, yeah. Because the one day you don't show up and decide to sleep in will be the day he's there that that deer shows up. Yeah. And then you got another seven days before it's going to happen yeah. again. Well, the thing is, even with the trail camera stuff, just because he, like, okay, say you have that deer, like, the deer in the area that Clint's hunting. He's walked in daylight on the 11th multiple years in a row. He could have been there on the 11th and not been in front of that camera. He could have been down yeah. in the drainage yeah. or on the on a different side of the ridge mm-hmm. and been 200 yards from the camera, and you just never know. Yep. Yeah, he's, still, he's just going to use that area. Right. We're not saying that he's going to rub the same tree exactly. every year, but right. he's going to... Well, the other thing is too. It's interesting about this place in Cameron. You brought it up, and I, I thought of it last year when I was in Iowa, and and this will, this will make more sense once I get to what I was going to the point I'm making, is that when we look at the trail camera data that we have for this place, there's very few does on camera. It's almost all bucks. Yeah, almost always bucks. You know, um. And so it's not even a place where you can classically go and say, 
well, I'm going to find the dough bedding area. Good luck finding a dough. Yeah. You know what I mean? In order to find a bedding, <laughs> a bedding area. Not only that, but like good luck finding a designated bedding area because you will find beds in the middle of the, in the middle of the timber. Yep. You know what I mean? Just anywhere. Bed, you know? Beds and food are, are everywhere here. But I think the reason why you, we don't see as many does on camera is just because of where we're putting the cameras. Mm. That yeah. could be. But even in that but, new cut, were there a bunch of does on camera down there? No. Mm, mm, I wouldn't say a bunch. There was a, hand, there was a handful. You would think, like a brand new clear cut, bunch of green vegetation. Yeah. A lot of security. Well, not cover. just that, but it's like, think about just even what you see from the stand. You know, what you see from... Typically I've bucks. never seen a yeah. doe. Yeah. yeah typically I'm, bucks. I've not either. I've seen four deer here in my life and they've all been bucks. Yeah. Think T- about that. 14 hunts. You've seen four deer. Mm-hmm. And they've all been bucks. All bucks. I've and had it, 14 hunts down here this year. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 14 days, right. I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's just a, it's different. It's, I I do get the appeal. Like I said, I just, it's a grind to the fullest extent. Yeah. Mentally, physically, it is like a place that you just have never. Well, the vertical, I mean, like the ridges aren't like these slow sloping ridges. It's like, I was just curious today whenever I was, and I went to an easy place, like I I shouldn't say easy place, but I went to an easier place to walk into relative relative yeah. to where I was walking yeah. into previously. And it was still from where I was set up. It was only like about a half mile from like the truck. Most of it was ridge top, but there was a, what was it? A hundred and fifty foot elevation change in a very short period of time coming from the from that flat spot where I was set up to that ridge top to walk out, then there was another hundred foot of elevation change in the last probably like seventy five yards to get to the top to get to the road to the truck. It happens in a hurry. So it's like it was probably two hundred and fifty feet of elevation change that I was gonna make in a over a half mile. People might be listening and say, Well that's not that bad. It's like, well take into account you're walking through green briars, you're walking through leaves in some places like up to your knees because they've all kind of pulled into a spot. You're fall you're walking over a deadfall. You know, it's like I joked at one point the last time I hunted this place that I was glad that I did a western hunt before I came here. I went to Montana, did an elk hunt because I was actually in shape and ready to hunt this place. Because you have to be in shape. It's hard. Yeah. You know? It's like the pl- other place I was hunting the past couple of days was Eight tenths of a mile down an old logging road that's all completely grown up, and that was just to get to the timber to the spot that I wanted to walk into, and then it was another five hundred and some odd, almost six hundred yards straight down. Straight that's, down. Yeah, that's a brutal climb on the way out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's all like you're walking down a drainage that's full with le- full of leaves and hard ass like and rocks and the and the ground's so hard that the rocks don't like stick in the ground like they roll so you're constantly slipping. Yeah. You know, so it was like a mile and a third each way. You know, or a mile and three tenths probably each way, roughly. I fell twice this week and slid down the hill. <laughs> I fell once after after it rained. Yeah. Coming down it was slippery. That was actually the only time I had any grip in that in that drainage. It was like after it had a little bit of like moisture to where like the rocks wouldn't slip on like the dry dirt on the top but yeah 
I mean, that's like that's a typical hike in and hike out. You know. Yeah. I I mean, I was fairly three quarters of a mile, like not that far. I probably had the shortest walk out of the the three of us. Probably. probably. Yeah. It's six tenths of a mile. Yeah, I think mine was like seven tenths, like yeah. somewhere in between. And it was on a bridal trail, so it wasn't anything like I'm going over deadfalls or anything, but it is just straight up. Yeah. There's nothing to grip on. There's like just all leaves, wet leaves. And like you're saying, like rocks that you're just like catching yourself going up. And I was trying to pay attention to how loud I was being going in this morning and even just my breathing because I'm not mm-hmm. in shape. And I'm like, man, if a deer did run away, I wouldn't hear it over myself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the one thing I was thinking the other day when I hunted that ground setup is I was like, if you were going to hunt this place like and go find sign and try to set up and like and hunt it that way, like you would almost have to do it hunting from the ground, I feel like. And then you would have very oh, yeah. limited shot opportunities because you do like we all hunt with pretty light systems with like saddle systems and stuff like that. And even with that limited system of like carrying two sticks of saddle on my pack to have like some insulation layers or whatever, like good luck trying to walk all day yeah. with with that shit. We did it to hang your stance. And that was like awful. So in seventeen, I was still the first year I was down here I was using saddle, which that was in fifteen. Fifteen and sixteen we used saddles and stands, but in seventeen I got rid of that saddle and just used this just 100% mobile. Like, I didn't have any pre-hung set. Or maybe I did have some pre-hung sets, but I don't think I hunted out of them. And I was packing around a camera and a camera arm plus a pack. And after that year, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, never, never again. I'm losing it's a like camera going to Colorado and, and packing all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Because even whenever I went, when I hunted that saddle over by that uh, by that new cut, and then went to check all those cameras, that was only like a like a mile and a half loop, I think something like that. That's to about ch- right to That's check those cameras. Bad, yeah. And uh, but I had like my pack on with my two sticks, my platform, you know, light gear. But after doing that mile and a half loop, I was like, man, I do not want to do that again. With Those like, logging you know, roads get steep. When oh, you yeah. left, over in that cut. You is, left that yeah. bee stick over there? Yeah. I was like, I'm not even going back with you. I'm going to sit on top of this hill. <laughs> oh, yeah. That new cut, those logging Dude, that's, those are brutal. Yeah. Those are like, we used to have some of those back in Pennsylvania when I was a kid that we used to ride dirt bikes up over to, to do hill climbs. Yeah. And jump the breakers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like that's what we used to, you know. That's what we would use those for because we had some of those like around my house. And it was just, yeah, it's just, yeah. This, I mean, it's a love-hate relationship with this place, man. I'll continue to come back and hunt it until I get my my deer from here. Yeah, I can't say that I will hunt it after that. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, or at least I'll take a break from it for a while. But I do like this type of hunting. Um, going back to what you were saying earlier, Cameron, you were, you know, you were saying that this, you know, you know that Chad and I both kind of like this, and you know, I think you were saying you're not quite sure why that we like like the vastness or whatever. For me, I think it's just 
because where I hunt typically in and around like Philadelphia and stuff like that, that the parcels are all so small typically. Yeah. That I don't have a lot of room to roam, you know. When I get to a place like this or like, you know, some of the places we were at in Missouri, you know, that were bigger than what I get at home, I just want to be able to have that space to go explore. Yeah. You know, is what is what it comes down to. Um to be able to go even though I know I should be sitting in a spot for several days, you know, if the camera intel has it or tells me that I should, even just having the ability to say, I want, I just want to get up and I want to go somewhere else, you know, and because of how hard it is to hunt, you typically don't get a lot of pressure. So it's like, I'm not picking spots based on whether or not there's someone else going to already be there or someone else going to be close. It's like, I'm able to pick spots based on whether or not I think the deer are going to be there or not. Yeah, it gives you it gives you an appreciation for um, being a, like feeling alone, yeah. feeling like you're in the wild. Um, it kind of gives you more of like, okay, this is hunting. Yeah, but it like I'm all I was thinking about that too, and I'm like, okay, yes, I could go roam however many thousands of acres are here, but I don't want to because it's so hard <laughs> to do, and I know that if I leave here, the chances of finding another spot like the one I'm hunting are so few and far between mm-hmm. that like the ability to roam is there, but I don't want that it doesn't make any sense to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I would yeah. rather go to a big piece of public that had a bunch of deer or there was a bunch of sign and the terrain wasn't so hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. Like I, I enjoy vastness right. and I enjoy large tracts of land. But this being a large tract of land means nothing to me because I'm sitting in one spot for seven days. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Was there anything else to add, fellas? Or we did, did we sufficiently cover? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much the so the the takeaway is is that this place is really hard to hunt. Yep. You probably never want to come here. <laughs> and one day you might see a big deer here if if you were here. That's I will say it. if you ever get to a point where you think deer hunting's easy and you're losing the challenge come here and you <laughs> call will, one of us yeah <laughs> you'll uh we might tell you where it's at <laughs> you'll quickly realize that what you are going through isn't so bad right yeah well you boys are pulling out tomorrow but um i'm sticking around yeah put myself through some more misery and for good yeah. reason man yeah, you, know, you got a lot of you got a lot of history with a specific animal that is uh, that's got your name all over it, man. I hope you arrow him for sure. Well, the odds are saying probably not, but the odds would be zero if I went home. So yeah, exactly. Well, that and I mean his the data says he's going to be around on the fifteenth, right? That's typically when he's fourteenth and fifteenth. Yeah, tomorrow's fourteenth. Yeah, so those two days. Or the day, or the or the days rather. But cool. With that, I think we'll go ahead and shut this thing down. I hope everyone's rut has gone well. When you're listening to this, we'll be on the backside of the rut. Um, still awesome hunting in front of us. You know, especially that Thanksgiving time frame, which I've tried to capitalize on the past couple of years. I might be making one more trip um, around that around that time for a quick jaunt out after thanksgiving dinner for a couple of days might 
pack up the camper and, and, and head out again one more time for a couple day trip. See if I can't fill a, fill an out of state tag, uh, before I call my out of state season a close. And then we'll switch our focus to, to Pennsylvania and try to fill a tag there. But right now I'm over three. So it's the bottom of the ninth. So we've got to make some magic happen. With that, we're going to shut her down. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast in hell. While you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tether, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.